and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. What's going on? I've told you I've written a brilliant script this week. I've been working on it since Tuesday, very unusually for me. It's a hundred pages long and it's yeah. all genius. Yeah. All work and no... You've clearly gone as mental as Subo snarling, spitting, clack-a-lack-a-dack-dack. The whole script is filled with just the words, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, over and over again. Oh, no. Yeah, it's nicely formatted, though. Yeah, thanks, yeah. <laughs> You know what, I, that is a mistake, but I think it might still work, you know. A whole show where nothing is said, apart from all work and no play, makes Jack a dull boy with different intonations, satirising both ourselves for our constant repetition and our feckless audience who just want to hear the same things repeated every single week. Watch, who's this coming in now? I'll work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I'm not sure the audience will be very pleased if we just say all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy for an hour. That might be. We just have to, I've only paid 15 quid, we just have to <laughs> stick with it. Tonight's performance will become the greatest piece of theatre ever produced. Oh, oh, should we do a flashback episode where we get stuck in a lift and do our best sketches ever? No, 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 <laughs> no. It's all right, I've already gone up in the lift to the next floor and got the script written by the elves for us instead. So anything to stop us having to do the motorcycle clothing shop again. Yeah. It'll be different though, it'll be the motorcycle clothing shop sketch, Dan, but every line in it would be all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Wouldn't you like to hear that? No. It'd be amazing, you'd like to hear that, wouldn't you, audience? Uh, ambiguous, it could be a yes. I think we'll just do the elven script, shall we? Yeah. Welcome to the final episode of series two of Makes Jack a Doll Boy! Yeah, you got it this time. I can't believe the endless insight and that next week I won't have to write a stand-up and sketch show about what's happened to me in the previous seven days and then record it in front of a live audience and put it out on the internet for free! My weekend will be my own again and next Monday I'm going to stay in bed masturbating over and over again over my own stomach creating a, creating a clogged mat of hair and sperm around my belly button until I'm shooting dust over the top of it 
like some kind of ineffective dried semen version of shaken vac. <laughs> which I will then attempt to hoover off. And uh, that will still be less self-indulgent than what you're about to listen to. So, uh, to me, this show is like some kind of reverse drug, making me stressed, unhappy and nauseous for the 48 hours I'm writing it. But then once it's finished, making me feel high with a sense of relief and euphoria. I suppose it's a bit like childbirth, from what I've heard. But what comes out here is worse and more evil than even the sexcrement of Jeremy Kyle after he's had sex with the decomposing corpse of Myra Hindley. <laughs> Please welcome my... <laughs> On that note, please welcome my, my Amy Pond and Rory, helping me to... <laughs> helping me to keep this jizz-fueled TARDIS flying through space and into your astonished ears. It's TV's Emma Kennedy and Dan Tetzel. Oh. And let's not forget my equivalent of Adric. It's Christian Riley. Hello, etc. It was good, he killed the Cybermen. Anyway, uh, anything occurred to you this week, Dan Tetzel? Uh, yeah, I took my sexcrement to the zoo. Uh... <laughs> in a bag? Yeah. No, not in a bag, no. <laughs> Threw it in to a, the monkeys. In a buggy, yeah. Reverse yeah, the... Right, no. Show the... See if they like it, chuck it at the monkeys, see what they think. Well, no, no. I, because the last time I went to the zoo two years ago, when I didn't have sexcrement, uh, I was on my own. And I thought, oh, go to the zoo, it's nice. I don't go off and go to the zoo. Yeah, you look like a pedo, don't you? Really? And, um, there's no way you can walk around the reptile house in the dark uh, not looking a bit weird. Uh, but this time I took a child with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, less suspicious now, aren't we, motherfucker? Is that a, is that a tip for pedophiles? That is a tip that's for pedophiles, yeah. yeah. If you want to get yeah, away bring with it, your take, own. take your it's, own uh, Grow yeah. your own. There's a small corkage, obviously, but... Uh, <laughs> Christian, what, has anything occurred to you? Uh, I did a festival in Kent uh, this weekend. You've been weekend. working a lot. It's, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was on... Uh, uh, Bob Dylan was on and Van wow. Morrison was on. So if I get the uh, Wikipedia page reinstated, I'll say <laughs> Van Morrison supported me. It's <laughs> uh, the kind of thing I do. Very good. Uh, TV's M. Candy, what's been going on in your crazy yes, world? Yes, I, um, I had an email from a vicar uh, yeah. this week telling me that he'd used a passage from my book, The Tent, The Bucket and Me, to do a sermon. Is it the passage where you fell into a bucket yes. of your own urine, yes. was it? How, how did you guess the parable of the piss? <laughs> and he, he, he equated my father with God. Um, I told my dad on Sunday, and he just went, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> That's right, but I've got another book thing as well this, yeah, this week, is that today uh, is publication day for Wilma Tenderfoot, and yeah. the case of the putrid poison. I'm going to give away this signed copy. Oh, look, you've done it. You've won it. I, I, did a, I, I did a competition on uh, Twitter this morning to say the first person who shouted out the detective's name gets it, and you get it, sir. What's your name? Uh, James. James, James you know a good way of looking like a paedophile? Walk around reading a children's book. <laughs> it's for kids. You know, you get, I'm happy to advertise this on, on this podcast because I can't imagine there's much of a crossover between... Let's hope not, because you're going to prison if there is. Um, and, of course, I'm surprised you mentioned it, Emma. I mean, the books are good, but another thing that has occurred to you, Emma, this week mm. is that you are pregnant with my child. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I, 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 I forgot I am. And, yeah. and according to my calculations... Hang on, let me just insert this cloacal thermometer. <laughs> 
Ah, yes. Uh, I'm going to be giving birth at some point during the show. Wow. <laughs> Let's hope so. It'd be a shame, you know, if it happened just after we'd finished and we missed it after all this build-up, wouldn't it? That would be a... <laughs> Anyway, let's keep everything crossed, eh? <laughs> well, not everything. You won't be able to get out. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, you better uncross your labial flaps, Emma, or otherwise. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I'm going to be a dad. Uh, better make the most of these last few seconds of freedom. So, wheel in the high-backed armchair. Uh, which of you whores wants to dance for me? Come on. Yep, she is, man. As it occurs to me There's a magical place where Richard's been There's millions and millions all under one roof And it's called cloacal thermometers are us That's right, you've probably seen it, the big cloacal thermometer warehouse style shop you'll find on the outskirts of most large towns for, for all your cloacal thermometer needs. We're being sponsored. Uh, let's see... Let's see what has occurred to me this week. Saturday. I was astonished to read an interview with Zoe Wanamaker in which she said that she and Robert Lindsay had once refused to perform one of the scripts on My Family because it wasn't good enough. <laughs> Seriously, how... How bad must that have been? <laughs> I suspect it must have been written by the same person who wrote the Vodafone advert and involved... Robert Lindsay's character taking advantage of his daughter in a moment of vulnerability. Uh, and then maybe Chris Marshall using his excellent BT broadband connection to show the footage uh, to all his mates. That's an episode I would quite like to see, actually. I always like Daniela Dembiash. Saturday. Uh, Dreg of Humanity, Jeremy Carr did the questionnaire in The Guardian Weekend magazine in which he revealed he had not worn underwear for 20 years. Which is a mental image I could have done without. I, I thought it would be impossible to feel more sick when I saw his stupid, pretending-to-be-concerned face on my TV. But now, every time I look at him, I'll be aware that his unfettered penis is pressing unrestrained against his nylon trouser fabric. <laughs> I imagine he has a cock like a telescopic radio antennae, which only becomes erect when it senses that someone somewhere is talking about him. The antennae is twitching, Jeremy, and Kyle has a trouser pumpkin. Monday. And uh, brilliant news came in very, very late. Too late. Obviously, I write the script so far in advance, there was no way to incorporate this in the script. This afternoon, when I was just lounging around, having finished the script days ago, I discovered uh, the fantastic news that six music has been saved. It's, uh, been done. Thank you. So uh, we're all very... It's amazing. People power. Thank you very much to uh, everyone who made such a fantastic campaign for that. If not for me, I don't really care, but for Andrew Collins, who really... I was worried he would never work again if that went... No one else will touch him. Really, though, we do need uh, Adam and Joe to die as well. So if anyone could... If anyone could arrange that, that would be fantastic. Uh, hello, it's uh, me, Gordon Brown. <laughs> Uh, remember, uh, I used to be the Prime Minister. Remember? Uh, Murder Two Swords have uh, just done a display of all the recent uh, Prime Ministers, but I am not included. They say it's because I was never elected uh, Prime Minister, which uh, doesn't seem fair. Oh, uh, some people say it's because they didn't have enough wax to craft my pudgy and ridiculous face. But I have my own theory. Uh, was it Sue? Did, did Sue stop them making a waxwork of me? It uh, sounds like the kind of thing she would do. A skanky hoe. Anyway, <laughs> I'm here to let you know that a CD 
of all the non-broadcast stand-up bits from the first six AI Optimus, AI Optimus. Yeah, move on. Will soon be uh, released by the wonderful people at www.gofasterstripe.com where you can also buy lots of Richard Herring DVDs and stuff. Uh, I will be keeping my eye peeled for the new one. Uh, no, please buy it. No, you, you have to obey me. I am the Prime Minister. Oh, no, I'm not anymore. Oh, sorry. I hate Sue. Oh, it was her fault. Oh. As it occurs to me, holy hell, this is terrible. From the ear-bleedingly bad crap American accented musical intro, Riley, don't give up your day job unless it's music or comedy. To the god-awful screeching voices by What's-Her-Face She was pretty good in the Flight of the Concords radio series And the other one This podcast makes me genuinely embarrassed By proxy for all concern But in fairness to the writing Whilst puerile and not up to Richard Herring's usual standard It's not generally at fault It's just the delivery and the acting and the format And just about everything else that is rubbish Thanks, Christian. That is a one-star iTunes review from Wool Oz, which, uh, comparatively, I come out of smelling like roses. It's uh, just you lot letting me down, especially you, the other one. I'm sorry. You should be sorry. And you, Kennedy, apologise to Wool Oz for ruining my adequate writing with your awful performance of it. I'm sorry, Wool Oz. And Christian, and Christian apologises as well. I am truly sorry. Not in American accent, do it in your actual voice. Good. As a punishment, Woloz, uh, I'm going to suspend everyone on this show from work unpaid for the next six weeks. Oh, oh no. no. I'm no. sorry. No well, money. I need the £85.11 oh. to buy nappies for my baby. I don't care about your baby. It's sexcrement. Woloz is annoyed and you must be punished. Because of him, there'll be no more AI Ottoma until August the 17th. Oh. You boys and you, Emma Kennedy, have yeah. to learn your lesson. Oh, that's oh, yeah. awful, isn't it? Six weeks off. That's, your puni- that's a punishment. Shucks. Wednesday. I was on my way out to a gig with my girlfriend when, uh, walking past a pub on Shepherd's Bush Grey, I saw a bloke uh, standing outside a pub on his own. Took me a second to work out where I knew him from, but a few yards up the road I realised that I had just seen the actor who plays Amy Pond's boyfriend Rory in Doctor Who in real life. Yeah. I wanted to go back and say hello to him and become his friend, so if I ever become trapped in a Pandorica, he would dress up like a Roman and guard me for 2,000 years, and then we could make sweet, sweet love. But we had to get to work, so I couldn't. But, you know, if I could only turn back time like a Doctor Who, thanks to the magic of AI Ottoma, I can. If I could turn back time... What would I do differently? Oh, 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 if I could turn back time. My God, look, it's Rory from Doctor Who. Just leave him alone. He's just trying to have a quiet drink. He's on his own, standing outside a pub with his Rory from Doctor Who face all on display. (laughs) 
He obviously wants to be recognised. That's his actual face. He can't help having that face. Uh, uh, hello, uh, excuse me. Are you Rory from Doctor Who? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Rory's one of the characters I've played, yeah. My name's Arthur. Your name is Rory? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, what do you want? Um, I just wanted to say hello, because I, I recognise you off of the telly. Cool, cool. Well, um, well, you've done that now, so... Uh... What was that? What, what are you doing? Are you, are you pretending to shoot me with your fist? Yeah, I'm doing, doing that bit, aren't I? You know, where your hand opened and you, you shot your girlfriend dead. That's what you do, isn't it? That's what you're known for. That's, that's your catchphrase, isn't it? Come on, let's, let's just... Go. No, I'm chatting with my mate Rory. Though now I stop and think about it. I haven't really got very much to say to him. I'm, I'm sorry about him, he really likes Doctor Who. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. I mean, this happens, you know, usually with five-year-olds. But, uh... Yeah, I love that bit where you shot your girlfriend, mate. I mean, we all dream about it, don't we? But you... You lived the dream, you dared to actually do it. Women, eh, Rory, with all their annoying breasts and everything. It's uh, incredible. We all want to get rid of them, whether it's pushing them into a lake or shooting them with a concealed gun inside our plastic autonomous hand. My, mind you, no offence to my girlfriend, but if I was going out with Amy Pond, I don't think I'd shoot her, mate. What were you thinking? She's gorgeous. Do you have, a, do you have Amy Pond's phone yeah, number? I am, I am still right here. Hold, uh, hold on. Don't I recognise you? Haven't, you? haven't you been on the TV as well? Uh, yeah, not, not very much recently. What's well, so, uh, <laughs> So how can you do this to me? I mean, I expect to be hassled by idiots on the street, but I think you'd understand not to behave like this. Stop. Stop shooting me with your hands. I wouldn't mind. I love it. I actually like it when people come up to me and say, hey, it's you, Percy the Shepherd, from BBC One short-lived drama Servants. This is you, innit? That's you holding your crook. That's what, that's what you do, innit? That's your catchphrase, holding a crook like that. Does that ever happen? Does, it hasn't happened yet, yeah. but I wouldn't mind if it did. I'd like, Richard, love it. Richard, be grateful. come on, let's go. This is in grave danger of turning into another motorcycle clothing shop sketch, except with you going... <laughs> instead of... <laughs> it's a very different sketch. And that, was, that was a good sketch. I wish we were doing yeah. the motorcycle clothing shop sketch again. It was good. And this, if anything, is a homage to well, that. Well, it's I'm... Like it's like the motorcycle clothing shop sketch too. It's like Citizen Kane too. Right. You... But he didn't do that. You... Just be like quiet, Hamlet, because yeah. I'm still quite cross with you for impregnating Emma Kennedy. You told me to do that. No, I didn't. It was Emma. She tricked you. Anyway, nice to meet you. Uh, I'd better get back to uh, waiting for my friends to turn up. Yeah, right, your friends. Is, is Jimmy Hill one of your friends? I, I I'm, I'm too young to get that reference. Are I don't know you? what you're talking about. You are standing outside this pub on your own, Rory, because you want to get recognised. You've been dying for someone to come up and shoot you with their hand all night. I you haven't. You can see it in your face. You love to be recognised. I haven't. Please be my friend, Rory. You could get me on Doctor Who. I just want to be on the telly, Rory. Please let me be on the telly, Rory. I just want to be on the telly, Rory. I could play a shepherd in Doctor Who. I'm good at that. I've got the crook. I had, that's how I got the first part. I've got my own crook with all ribbons tied around it. It's good. I could, no, I wouldn't be a shepherd. I could be your best friend. When you shot someone with your hand, I could then come in and I could shoot them with my hand just to make sure they were definitely dead. Yeah, you're too old to be my friend. 
I could be Amy Pond's dad, maybe, and once you'd shot her, I could carry off her body to be buried. Kind of, oh, no. But then whilst she's all dead and vulnerable, I, I spot the opportunity. What? You know, she's a vulnerable. What is wrong with you? What? Oh, I suppose merging Amy Pond is less morally reprehensible than making sweet, fatherly, tender love to her now, is it, Rory? Your moral compass, Rory, is askew. Askew. Yeah. You know what, if you'd been outside that Pandorica with me, I would have only lasted about five minutes before I'd fucked off. Look, I don't usually do this, but... What, Rory, what are you doing? Your, your hand, it's, it's opening. Yes, it is. Ah, oh, you killed me, Rory. Well, I thought you loved me. I, are you going to put me in the Pandorica now and save me? No. Oh. Uh, now he's dead, do you fancy a drink? Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, I wasn't waiting for friends, really. I was hoping to pick up a girl. <laughs> well, now you have. <laughs> Why? If I could turn back time, we'd be differently. I would harass the actor after Darville, who plays Rory and Doctor Who, but who also appeared in Little Dorrit and Robin Hood until he was forced to reveal he truly is a robot made out of plastic with a gun hidden inside his hand, which he would then shoot me with. If I could turn back time. Once again, we're, we're learning about the dangers of turning back time there. It's something that should not be toyed with. Luckily, I went on walking and went to my gig, where I was surprised to discover I was sharing a bill with a certain Lembit Opic. Uh, I felt a bit embarrassed. Boo, yeah, I felt a bit embarrassed about that because on the last day I Otima, I may remember I was slagging him off because he had been cocky at thinking he was a stand-up comedian now after doing one gig. He'd been on the right stuff with Matthew Wright, and he'd said, you do the... To Matthew Wright, he said, you do the presenting, and I'll do the jokes. And I just thought, you know, that was too much for after just doing two gigs. So I advised listeners, if they saw him, to punch him in the face. <laughs> Yet here I was about to meet him. Would I be a hypocrite and not punch him and let you down? And I felt a bit awkward and a bit guilty. You know, what if he'd listen to the podcast? As unlikely as that seems. But luckily, not only was he just as cocky tonight as he had been on TV, his act was also rubbish as well. Just a, it was just a load of stream of consciousness stuff that he'd written, obviously written on the day and then just read off a piece of paper. <laughs> Incredibly, after he'd been on, the MC came on and made a joke about Lembit, and Lembit had the audacity to say, You do the MC and I'll do the jokes. He'd said it again. He'd told a man whose job it was to tell jokes to not do jokes, because he was in the room, Lembit opened it, so Lembit should do the jokes, because... That's obviously what he thinks he's famous for. It just made me wonder if Lembert Opic is under the mistaken impression that only he is allowed to do jokes in any situation. So if he's ordering drinks at a bar... Two GNTs, that's nine pounds. Nine pounds? Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious. And stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> what, what do you think you're doing? How dare you? I'm Lembert Opic. With my distinctive voice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, whatever. You serve the overpriced drinks and I'll do the jokes, all right. New statesman, I thought that was, that yeah, was quite sure. uh, or, uh, or if he's uh, at a friend's wedding. I'm honoured to be uh, chosen as Mike's best man and I wish him and Becca the best of luck with their future. I hope any kids uh, they end up having end up with the looks of their mother and the brains of their mother. 
<laughs> what in the name of balls do you think you're doing? Have you not seen who's in the room? It is me, Limbit Opic. No one does jokes while I'm in the room. You toast the bridemaids and then have sex with them later. And I'll do the funnies, okay? Honestly, everyone thinks you're a prick, mate. Or, um, at Christmas dinner. Uncle Lembit. Yes, Tiny Tim. What did the... What did the policeman say to his stomach? Well, I'm not sure he'd say anything, would he? He said you're under a vest. Ha <laughs> What the fuck do you think you're doing? <laughs> Reading my cracker joke. But, but look who's at the table with you. It's me, Lembidopic. And what am I famous for? Having sex with a cheeky girl. No. Being a failed politician. No. Having a paragliding accident that has led to having a wonky face. Okay. Punch you in a minute. No. I'm famous for riding a Segway. One, and being a comedian. So if you ever fucking try and tell a joke in front of me again, I will rip your stupid head off. You do the picking your nose and eating it, and I will do the jokes. <laughs> I am Lemmy Open. <laughs> Listen to my jokes, ye mighty, and despair. Lemmy Opic there. Lemmy Opic, he will do the jokes. At some point, I'm sure he will, though he seemed to have neglected to have brought any of them out with him last Wednesday, I have to say. Seriously, though, Lembit, I, I, all joking aside, I would like to wish you the best of luck in what you're doing, trying to get yourself some publicity by pretending you want to be a stand-up comedian and hopefully then you'll just fuck off and stop <laughs> taking gigs off proper comedians. Now it's time to go down into... Ooh, a bit serious there, Rich. Now it's time... I think, I think he meant that. I think he... Now it's time... <laughs> It takes hard graft to do. I've been working for 20 fucking years doing them. Look how shit I still am. <laughs> now it's time to go down into audience and see what has occurred to them this week. Has anyone had anything occurred to them this week? And probably down here. Anyone? No one, nothing. That's good. Uh, this uh, gentleman here in the white t-shirt, bald-headed uh, old man. What's, uh, <laughs> his wife is patting him on the back saying, don't worry. No, she isn't. It's not his wife. It's just a stranger. Uh, <laughs> yes, what's happened to you, sir? Six weeks ago? <laughs> you can't go back. If I just started doing as it occurs to go, oh, six weeks ago, I was in a motorcycle clothing shop. <laughs> decided just to do a sketch about that, and people would be pretty upset. I'll let you go on. Sorry, sir. Six weeks ago, I had a breakfast meeting with four friends. You had a breakfast meeting with four friends? Have you got four friends? Yeah, yeah okay. And across the table, Sir Michael Lyons of the BBC Trust. Sir Michael Lyons of the BBC Trust was sitting opposite. Was he one of your four friends? He's on a different, no, no, he's a different, different table. Yeah. <laughs> he told him, so Michael Lyons, why they shouldn't close this music and that the BBC board were fucking idiots. And did he go, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> what have we been doing? This morning, they agreed. It's courteous morning, yeah. It took them six weeks. I'm not sure. But thank you, sir, for your. Told him you're fucking idiots. Give him a round of applause. He has no hair, he has a lot of balls. Where? Up there. Hello, what's happened to you, waving lady? I'm wasting, yeah. it's occurred to you that I'm wasting my time drinking Diet Coke. Imagine how fat I'd be if I was drinking normal Coke, so... 
I think it's, uh, well, is it as fat as her? She said it herself. Uh, I, quite, I prefer Diet Coke. Thanks for, uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the heckle from the gallery. Hello, lady at the front. Are you going to call me a fat fucker as well? <laughs> what are you going to tell me? A poo story occurred to you. It's got to be good. Emma Kennedy is on the stage. It's better be good. I've set the bar fucking high for this. Have your boyfriend doesn't think it's as good, good enough? Oh, Joshua? So I'm sorry, Emma, but this is disgusting. This is disgusting. Okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll risk putting the microphone down into the audience. Right? <laughs> um, so I went home, I went home last week, um, and my mum's away at the moment, on holiday, and my dad's at home by himself. <clears throat> And um, I, I, I'm travelling to London and I need to go to the loo. Went into the bathroom and, and the toilet lid was up and I saw that the, to- the toilet brush was just sort of sticking out of the toilet. And I went and inspected it. My dad had done a shit and whisked it. Whisked the, to- the poo with the toilet brush and just left it there. And then gone off and not flushed the toilet or like, or like taken the brush out. He just whisked his own poo. And whisked then- it? <laughs> I left the bathroom. Right, hang on. I've got several questions. When you say, when you, say you were travelling, what, what, where was this this toilet that, that came with a whisking was, poo was, stick? Was, I'd got home. I'd got home from travelling back to my house. Surely a beautiful girl like you doesn't do poo stuff. To <laughs> that is that is the most astonishing thing. I've learned something tonight. Marshmallow poos. It's, it's, uh, a reason, it's, it's a reasonable poo story, but I still don't think it beats my actress friend doing a shit in a toilet, flushing it and watching her own shit come out the end and fall through a gap and land in the kitchen on the floor where her Polish builders were standing having biscuits. She's right. If, he had, uh, if your dad had gone to the kitchen and got an electric whisk out and then used that to whisk the poo, that would be a better story. He had a go, like all men, he did a poo. He thought, oh, oh. had a go, whisked it around, oh, it's not gonna, not gonna work out. At least I've tried, I've tried and I've failed. As Samuel Beckett says, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. Try again, fail again, fail best. Thank you very much, what's your name, darling? Alice. Alice, what's your dad's name? Peter what? Peter Smith. <laughs> Lucky for him. He's a doctor, Dr. Peter Smith. We're nailing him down one by one. If you have a doctor called Peter Smith, don't use his toilet. <laughs> Anyone else? Thank you, that was good. So far, so good, apart from the lady shouting at me. Have you got one, Ben? <laughs> that way? Ben, the producer's waving at me. You know, there's some people there. What's, I can't really see, there's an arm kind of up directly in front of me, whoever's arm that is. I can't, there's a lady, is it with the black top on? Or is it a man? Beanie hat, let's, the beanie hat is what we're going for. Sorry, I think it's someone different than I was pointing out, but go for it. Shout out loud. Uh, sort of a poo story. Sort of a poo story, good. Has it, it sort of a poo story? It's about some food before it was eaten. Ah, you listen to Winnie the Pooh audiobook. And the voice of Piglet is almost identical to the voice of Tiny The voice of Piglet? <laughs> The voice of Piglet is almost identical to the voice of Tiny Andrew Collins. Well, he has to make a living outside <laughs> of these podcasts. I don't actually pay him. He doesn't get paid. So he, he looks quite like Piglet as well, in that way, as people 
<laughs> it's about the same size. Is there any, anyone else? Uh, you said yeah, in, the, in, the, in the black shirt, Tom. Uh, I took my daughter yesterday to her nursery tedious summer fair. He took his sexcrement to the <laughs> tedious nursery fair. Wow, the Greek Orthodox Church next door burnt down. Do you have anything to do with this? There was this hate crime against the Greeks. That religion has got away without being persecuted. You had to go to the pub because the Greek Orthodox... Did you burn the church down so you could go to the pub? Is that was... Is this a confession? You're not prepared to answer. You spent the afternoon bibbing wine. A reference there to the first half that doesn't go out on the internet, which will confuse people. <laughs> good. One more, I think. Let's go for one more. Anyone got a good? It's got to be really good. You, sir, because you're close. Okay. Um, this week I finished reading a book called How Not to Grow Up. Uh, reading a book called How Not to Grow Up, yes, sir. Uh... Um, I thought I'd had my midlife crisis, but I realised I didn't do it properly, and I'm going to have another go. You're going to have another midlife crisis results. You haven't had a midlife crisis, sir, until you've had a champagne bottle inserted in your anus, in your unwilling anus. So, good luck with that. Uh, thank you very much to... <laughs> thank you. What do you do for a living, sir? IT. You do IT? <laughs> They're not... The, your fine ladies aren't that as interested in inserting. It's one of the benefits of being in IT. You hardly ever get a woman putting a champagne bottle up your anus. <laughs> Maybe a floppy disk. Maybe. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, whatever happens next, I think it might be Christian. As it occurs to me, and now the end is near, and so I face the final pumpkin. Time for another celebrity endorsement. I was just enjoying some Diet Coke. Friday. Friday, yeah, I found out. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the laughter subsides. I know, it's nice to Fucking professionalism, honestly. <laughs> I found out uh, that. BBC or, Three, you know. It's nice. <laughs> I don't have to do this shit. <laughs> don't call me TV's anything, do you? No, I've been on television for years. Have you been on as yourself, not just the voice of some kind of yes, puppet? I was angry fairground barker in that thing with Nicholas Lindhurst. 
I was the voice of a vicar in according to Bex. You're no Rory from Doctor Who, are you? Can you, can you do that? I can do. <laughs> yeah, no, but can yeah, make yeah. a gun come out. No, That's how we got that job. It's not real. I'm sorry. Anyway, audience. on Friday. <laughs> Let's end this as quickly as we let's not yeah, prolong just, let's this. Let's move on. Come on, Friday. <laughs> this bit, I'm making this bit up as I go along anyway. I found out uh, that there are already 87 dates pencilled in for my 2011 tour of my latest show, Christ on a Bike, which everyone saw tonight and they all thought was excellent. Uh, it's at the assembly. Didn't you? Yeah. See, I'm, I didn't make them. Did no one bloke says no. No, was, I saw it in 2001. It's the same. Uh, it's at the assembly rooms, Edinburgh in August, and the Leicester Square Theatre from the 19th of December. If you live in London, like a good person should. If not, think about moving to London. Uh, thanks to AI Ottima. I haven't had too much time to work on the show as yet, but today I was looking a bit about the Ten Commandments. You know, there was talk about the Ten Commandments. I'd never really um, read them properly. I thought the Ten Commandments were just like two pieces of tablets of stone with just ten things written on that, shall not kill, that sort of stuff. I thought they were very pithy. But if you actually look them up in Deuteronomy and various other places in the Old Testament, they're very overwritten. It's kind of a weird thing to see them. And this is actually the only thing that's definitely written by God in the Bible. Right, he at least dictated it. This is the word of God. You think, it's the Ten Commandments. You'd think he'd probably put some effort into this. Probably made it really, he probably worked out what he was going to say. And it should be the most beautifully written prose that has ever been. But uh, we'll get down. It's kind of weird. A, they're weird. There's the one about not worshipping a, a false idol. Uh, it says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, which uh, is quite a terrifying. That means if you do something wrong, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and maybe your great-great-grandchildren are going to hell whatever they do. That seems, seems a bit unfair to you. Conversely, it means if any of the 30 people in those generations above you did anything wrong, you're going to hell. It doesn't matter what you've done. That seems like an unfair system made up by, like a child would make that up. And it's like, it's like a rubbish old episode of rubbish Star Trek where God turns out to be a petulant boy. Uh, because the next bit is, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love and keep my commandments. So if you love him and keep your commandments, the next thousand generations of your family will go to heaven regardless of what they do. A thousand generations. Let's say a generation is 12 years, okay, which it would be in biblical times. Um, Mary was 12 years old when she had Jesus. That is, that is true. It's a bit of an odd thing to think, the Holy Ghost going after a 12-year-old. But maybe that explains... Maybe that explains, you know, the Catholic Church's slightly lackadaisical attitude towards that subject. So let's say... Let's say it's 12 years. That's 12,000 years. The next 12,000 years... That's longer than the civilization of humanity. You'd have to have one person. Does that one override if you, if you had one, so one person? If you go back 30 generations, okay, great, great to the power of 30 granddad, in that generation there are a billion people, okay? And then there's a billion people down. That's two billion people. Just one of them would have to be good. And you, that is crazy. God has gone insane. Uh, and he's not very good at writing. This is uh, the, the one about the Sabbath, but... Um, this is like, you'd think he would have worked this out in advance and thought about what he wanted to say and just made it a bit easier. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Okay, that's pretty clear. He's got it. I think he's nailed it. You shouldn't do any work. But then he feels a necessary... If you just put nobody or nothing should do any work, that would cover it. But he then feels a need, God, to make a list of who he means by that. 
Which, the minute you start listing, it, it suggests that anything not in the list isn't covered by it. If you just put a note, and so it says you, or your son, or your daughter, or your male or female slave. I mean, if you, if you want to say slave, you can just say, or your slave. You don't need to, what is he, is he discounting the eunuch slaves there? They don't, they, they're allowed to work if you haven't got a pause. Uh, or your ox, seriously. Your ox is not allowed to work. Or your donkey, or any of your livestock. It's like God went, oh shit, I should have just said any of your livestock. Can you go back, Moses, and I've chiseled that in now, God. I thought you would have planned this out. Why don't you just put, no, I'm getting, I'm getting chiseled. <laughs> Chisel strain, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I'm making this up as I go along. Uh, and then it says, or the resident alien in your town. I mean, that is incredibly specific, isn't it? That is just aimed at Mork from Mork and Mindy saying, Rather than putting all that, he could have just said whether the Sabbath was Saturday or Sunday and sorted out quite a big issue there. <laughs> and then in the final one, you, neither shall you covet your neighbour's wife, okay? Uh, and again, he kind of goes weirdly specific on the things you should cover, but not on the important bit, because you could go, is this just my neighbour? What about the bloke who lives two doors down? No, that's all right. You're allowed to cover his wife. It's just if he lives directly next door or on either side. Uh, neither shall you cover your neighbour's wife. Why does he just say you're not allowed to cover anything that anyone else has of any kind, okay? That would be it sorted. Instead, there's a list. Neither shall you desire your neighbour's house or field or male or female slave. He's quite obsessed with that. He's not saying slavery's wrong, God. They're saying it's evil. He's saying it's right. Just don't do it on a Saturday or Sunday, possibly. Don't cover it. Or ox or donkeys into that again. He forgets about the livestock thing there. And then he ends it, oh, anything that belongs to your neighbour. <laughs> I just put that at the top. It's taken up by that kind of got on two tablets, that's insane. Anyway, that was my ad-libbed idea about that. That might end up in the show, Christ on the Bike. Come sit on tour. And then, because we wrote that as a sketch and it wasn't really very good, I decided to ad-lib it as myself. And now we're at this section. Hello, it's me, Daniel. And me, Susan Boyle, Sybil. <laughs> Get down, you snarling clack a lack a duck duck. I'm not mental. <laughs> and we just want to say well done, the rich and the man. All the hard work on this season, I fear the man. Saluti for your hilarious weed joke. And if any of our Scotch listeners want to turn up and thank Richard personally for all he's done for a fine, fine country, then why not come along to the assembly rooms at 2 pm on August 17th for a special one of AI Automa? Go to www.edfringe.com for tickets. But if, like everyone in Scotland, you're too mean and drunk <laughs> to spend any money on tickets, then Richard will be just walking around in the streets for the whole of August. So go up to him and let him know what you think of him and his funny voices. Now, where's my book? You promised me a nine thousand pound case if I read this crap out, man. Hey, 
the bookcase is here to dump. Come on, let's sing our song. <laughs> or fly of Scotland, when will we see? Yeah, like again, the fat and a beautiful and fitful rendition of the closest thing Scotland has to a national anthem there. Man, I'm not shit a country has to be not to have a national anthem. Anyway, looking forward to coming up to Edinburgh uh, <laughs> next month. It's helping me to take Hadrian's Wall down brick by brick, hands across. There's no real river there. Now it's time for Christian Riley's song. Is it politics or is it jism? Is it politics or is it jism? Politics, jism, politics, jism. Is it politics or is it jism? Let's find out. It's, uh, okay, it's a song about Alex Chapman, sung from his perspective. He's the ex-husband of the super sexy alleged Russian spy Anna Chapman because uh, he told the papers he knew all along because she'd been acting kind of strange. You know, he knew she was a spy, so, uh, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> you were talking in your sleep again last night Softly whispering the name of some other guy Mutual friends say we need to talk you and I But they don't know your secret And my lips are sealed tight Cause you're a Russian spy And they shouldn't pry It's like that time I came home early And you were sitting on that guy's face I nearly got so surly until you explained Sergey was just helping you to find your microfilm And he had to do it naked So you could confirm he wasn't wearing a wire <laughs> And you're just a pair of crazy kooky Russian spies At first I felt unpatriotic but how can I stay mad at you? Looking the other way while you betray is the ultimate way to say I love you. All day long I've been trying to crack this stupid code cause the letter that you left me reads like a goodbye note. But I know I'll get a call when the western powers fall and you'll take me where the vodka's dry my little Russian spy And there's no need for me to cry Baby, you're mine, all mine My sweet little Russian spy Riley, Christian Riley there, Christian Riley was it politics or was it jism? Was it politics or was it jism? Politics, jism, politics, jism. Was it politics or was it jism? It's kind of both, wasn't it? So, um, well done for that. So, I can't believe it. It's another emotional moment at the end of season two of AI Ottoman. I have to admit, it's been a hard slog, and not just for me. Thank you for <laughs> keeping your way through this and been listening to this 
Bilge, uh, I hope some of you enjoyed the show and thanks for listening. We'll be back, as I say, for Edinburgh on August the 6th, 17th, which you will be able to download for free if you're tight or don't live in Scotland. Uh, and then we'll be doing a short series of three shows in the autumn on the 11th of October at the Bloomsbury, 18th of October at the Leicester Square Theatre, and then the 1st of November back here at the Bloomsbury again. So book ahead if you can. I hope you can make it down. I'd really like to thank Emma, Dan and Christian and our producer Ben for all their hard work. And um, Oh, oh no. Something... Something's happening to my cloaca. I think my waters are going to break. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they seem to be breaking now. Oh, my oh God, that is, a, oh that is a lot of water. That oh really is. It's a little bit embarrassing, oh the amount of water. Oh, there's a lot of water up there. What's that? Oh, God. So, oh. Look at that huge oh. pool you've created. I wish, I wish my girlfriend was here right now. I'd love to... A little pushing. Richard, I, our baby's about to be born. Emma, childbirth takes uh, hours, sometimes days. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Here it is, our baby. Is it a boy or a girl? Yes, well, I think it is. It's hard to tell. It seems to have a new kind of genitalia. Let me have a look at our unholy spawn. Oh, look at its little eye and its cute little claws, its hairy tail. It's got gills. No, that's not. What is that thing there? Oh, a cup holder. That's a nice touch. <laughs> it's beautiful. I will call it Tiny Richard Herring. Hey, hey, it's half mine too. Oh, all right, Emma, fair enough. I'll call it Tiny Rich Mahernady. Mm. Or, uh, or sometimes Tiny M Hard Kenring. Oh, if, it's, if it's been naughty. I love you, Daddy. Oh, that's lo- holding this little baby in my arms. Makes you realise I've wasted my life before now writing hastily cobbled together comedy shows and then sitting in a high-backed armchair masturbating onto one of those semicircular mats you put round a toilet as a succession of tragic groupies dance for me or insert champagne bottles into my anus. This is what life is all about, being a father. Have I got a magical bond with this tiny whelp? I'll protect this baby, nurture it, watch it grow and teach it everything it needs to know. And when the time comes and it's old enough, I'll... Wait until it's broken up with a partner or girlfriend. <laughs> Vulnerable. Whatever I'm doing, I'll just drop everything. I'll drive over to comfort. I'll have paid for it. It's mine, technically. <laughs> Emma, you've made me the happiest man alive. I'll do the decent thing, Emma. I will marry you. Um, aren't we already married? Haven't we got married at the end of pretty much every series we've ever done with each other? Have we? Uh, to be honest, I forget everything in these scripts the minute the words have passed my lips. What was I just saying? Well, you were going to marry me. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice try, Kennedy. Uh, I wasn't born yesterday. Nor was I. I was born today. Oh, that's so brilliant. It's first joke. Huh? <laughs> hey, you. Tiny beast, baby, yeah? How dare you do a joke? <laughs> Don't you know who's here in the audience? It's me, Lembit Opic. You do the shitting in a nappy, and I'll do the jokes. And also shit in a nappy occasionally. But only if both the cheeky girls are watching. I don't understand, Lemmy. Why suddenly pipe up now about someone doing a joke? Didn't you, did you just get here or something? No, I've been in the audience all the time. <laughs> throughout the whole series. And the first one. And that is the first joke that I've detected. Oh, get on the segue that you think you famously ride and piss off. Very well. (laughs) Nothing can hurt me now, nothing. I'm a father. I love you, Rich Ma. (laughs) 
Start over up, check. <laughs> oh, it's doing that slow. Oh, it's doing that slow hand clap. Oh, oh, it's Tony Andrew Collins. Oh, this is a massive surprise. I never thought they'd end the series with him. Oh, brilliant. All right, shush you people down there saying those things. Oh, honestly, honestly. Oh, Richard, Richard. What a wonderfully moving soliloquy. Aside, it wasn't. It was mawkish and pathetic. I know all too well how you must feel being a new dad because a few short weeks ago I became a father too. Oh, well done. That's brilliant, isn't it? It's lovely when you're a dad. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Until you killed my tiny, tiny Andrew. Did I? Oh, sorry. Like I say, I can never remember what happens in these things. And then you killed my wife and mother. It was the, it was the same, same person, person, yeah. <laughs> tiny Mrs. Collins. Oh, sorry. I don't recall. I'm sorry. Uh... Silence. As the saying goes, revenge is a dish best served by kidnapping a baby and then putting it into a rocket with hoovers on it and then firing that into the heart of the sun. I'd like to see you try nothing on this earth will get to get me to give up my child. I will. Oh yeah, you and whose army? Me and my army of disaffected characters and cameos from the series. <laughs> who also want their revenge. Yeah, Richard, it's me, Gary Coleman. No, that's not... That's not right. That's not right. Uh, it's me, Gary Coleman, and you mock me for my... Oh, dear. Mock me when my body would not get cold. So I'm going to be avenged. That's what I'm talking about, Willis. Premier étage. Bonjour, c'est moi. The lift from the Bosch Hotel in Liverpool. You soiled me with all the five different types of bodily effluent when you stayed back in May. And I want my revenge. Yeah, we are a delegation from the British Federation of Pumpkin Farmers. Yeah. And your show has led to some rather disturbing things going on in our pumpkin patch. We shall be avenged. It's me again, Tom Neal. Three times in one show. This joke can never get tired, unlike my throat. But you promised me a bookcase worth 9,000 pounds. But I discovered you only spent 8,999 pounds on the one you gave me. I want my freedom. Freedom. It's me, Mother Teresa, Agnes Gunkapajunker. And you desecrated my holy memory by portraying me as the Count from Sesame Street. How do I hate thee? Let me count the ways. One. Ah! Hello, yes, uh, it's me, popular character King Herod. Uh, whilst you didn't say anything particularly offensive about me as such, I am always game when it comes to the murder of innocent children. Uh, and can I just say good luck to England in their game against Slovenia? It's me, Titsy the Dwarf. And whilst you didn't do anything too bad to me either, I can never resist turning up whenever you do a parade of popular characters in a series. You know, and of course, there would be more characters here, but you can't remember anything else that went on in the series, so you can't write them for me. Seize that baby, Agnes Gonkabajonka. Yes, my liege. Dadder, help me, I love you. Strap it into the rocket. Let's... Oh. <laughs> I like his voice. Now proceed with the countdown to its destruction. Please don't kill my baby. Just because you've lost your baby, don't take mine as well. Show some mercy, tiny Andrew Collins. The only way to ease the pain in my tiny heart is to share it with another. 
You will soon feel like I do. Oh. Commencing countdown, engines on. Step away from that launch button, Collings. This hand is loaded. <laughs> what are you going to do, Richard Herring? Shoot me dead with your hand? That's impossible. A wise, stupid idiot once told me that anything is possible if you can just imagine it. If you kill me, this show will lose the only funny thing it's ever had. I don't care. This is your last chance, Tony Andrew. My baby means more to me than that. Step away! You don't have the guts. Don't I? Oh, what's this strange feeling in my tiny chest? Why is there an automatic ketchup pouring out of me onto my shirt? Oh no, you shot me. You shot me with your hand. Yes, I did. I can't feel my tiny legs. Or my tiny feet. Or my massive cock. <laughs> Aside, it really is a tiny cock. Even in proportion to the rest of me. That is the only remaining thing that is true of both me and the real Andy Collins. <laughs> I call it tiny, tiny Andrew Collins. You want to have a look? No, you can't. Hold me, Richard. I'm sorry, Tiny Andrew. I didn't mean to hurt you. I, oh. I didn't mean to make you cry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm just a jealous guy. You? Jealous of me? Yes, Tiny Andrew. Even I created you. You were the star of this series. Oh. However hard I tried to write a brilliant joke or observation or sketch, maybe about a motorcycle. <laughs> Nothing I came up with made people laugh as much as you just saying aside <laughs> for the thousandth fucking predictable time. You're being too hard on yourself. You wrote some really good stuff this year. What? <laughs> we, I think we're all waiting for the inevitable aside. No, it, next, there is no aside. There will be no more asides. I am done with the sides. <laughs> no, what? What? We're all waiting for you to say the sides! I don't do that stuff anymore. I only have a few seconds left and I want to be sincere, not just say something and then saying a side and then saying the opposite. Even I thought the aside thing was cheap and I, I hated the people who laughed at it. Idiots! Nothing I ever said was a patch on the motorcycle clothing sketch. That was real comedy. Sincere. This isn't fair. You're managing to be funnier than me now by not even saying aside, by leaving out. The aside is implied but unsaid by saying nothing. You'll be funnier. Even you failing to say aside is funnier than anything I've written. You are a very funny guy, Richard, and this show will continue to go from strength to strength even once I'm gone. You're a fucker, you are. I can't believe it, Tiny Andrew. You know, I thought I'd be happy when you, when I got rid of you, when you died, but... Sad. You know, I can't believe you're going. I think I might genuinely cry. My work here is done, Richard. I only existed to save six music, and I've done that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't. Didn't I? No, you didn't. You know anything about it. Oh. Probably that prolonged its... I did more than him. <laughs> <laughs> I told Michael Lyons he was a twat. 
And now I can pass on and allow the real Andrew Collings to carry on his life, loving things from 1983, and sitting in for a pregnant DJ who he has artificially inseminated. I think I like you better than the real Andrew Collins, Tiny, but don't go, Tiny Andrew. I can see a tunnel. Who's that up there? Oh, it's my mum, Tiny Mrs Collings. Oh, she's happy to see me. And who's she holding? Oh, tiny, Tiny Andrew Collings. He's holding out his arms to me. We will be together forever. Who's that behind them? It's, it's my dad, tiny Mr. Collings, who, who's saying that once he heard I was dead, yes, yes, he committed suicide so he could meet me up in heaven as, as soon as I was dead, when I'd be vulnerable. <laughs> so he could comfort me. Oh, he's taking down his trousers, Richard. The dead, tiny Mr. Collins is, is rubbing his cloaca in anticipation. Right, stop it. Don't try and get me into trouble with the real Andrew Collins just before you die. Just hurry up and die and get out of it. Don't, I've got a poem yet. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn's rain. <laughs> when you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift, uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and forever cry. I am not there. I did not die. Aside, I did die. <laughs> but in an infinity of nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tiny Andrew Collins there. We, we shall not see his like again. Thank fuck for that. That's all three of them gone. Where's my dinner? I done a poo. Oh, we got him. Is this baby going to cry like this for all the time? No, no, only for the next 18 years. It's I fine. done a poo. Poo, poo, wee, wee, bottom. God, he's just exactly like me. I... How annoying. Stop doing stupid comedy shows and change his nappy. Your life and happiness is over. Yeah, it is. Looks like you have a new character to torment you after all. Oh, oh dear. My hand is slipping. Oh, I'm going to accidentally press the lift-off button for the rocket. I can't... Oh, no! With you inside it. Oh, no, look, the rocket... It's quite a long time. We could stop it, but... Oh, no, it's too late. It's taken off now. Oh, no, look, this guy is flying off in towards the... Hoovers have started up now, look. It's... Oh, maybe it won't go into the sun this time. Oh, no, it's... It looks like it's definitely heading towards the sun. Ah, oh, well. Ah, oh, well, that's this flown into the heart of the sun there. That's my baby has been killed. <laughs> looks like we'll be back with more shows after all. See you next time, everyone. Thank you. Bye. My baby. You killed my baby. As we go to me, we the form. My Richard Aaron with Dan Tesla, me, TV, Demi Kennedy. Why did you kill my baby? Christian Ryan did all the musical bits and it was produced by Ben Walker. Especially thanks to Orange Mark and the British Comedy Guide.
the two that we killed. Thank you very much. Um, before we go, it's time for the audience to decide. The second series of As It Occurs To Me, was it shit or was it good? The second series of As It Occurs To Me, was it shit or was it good? Was it shit or was it good? Was it shit or was it good? Shit good, shit good, shit good. Was it shit or was it good? Shit or good? Good! That's right, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> See you in Scotland. <laughs>